Hello, my name is Anna Rina, and I'm part of the 930 Service Core team here at HTBB. It's my pleasure to be with you today, and I want to speak to you today about holiness. Do you ever wonder what your calling is? What you were made for? Do you believe you have a calling? If you're anything like me, my calling or what I believed was my calling has changed more times than I care to admit. When I was a little girl, after successfully drawing a pretty scenery of under the sea which received the glorious recognition of being displayed on a nice auntie's fridge, I believed I was called to be an artist. And then one Christmas, when I received a Celine Dion cassette and memorized every single line of every single song and performed a heartfelt rendition of My Heart Will Go On, I thought, well, maybe I was born to be a singer. And then at school, when I unexpectedly made it to the finals in a quiz organized by the National Space Agency of Malaysia, I thought, well, I might become an astronaut. Unfortunately, my dream was truly short-lived when I answered one of the quiz questions wrongly on national TV. Put me off outer space for life. And then one time, I don't know how, but somehow I won a Best Actress Award for a play. I decided this must be it. I was born to be an actress. Now, if you think those were my only options, sadly, no, they were not. I also remembered at some point wanting to become a lecturer, a doctor, well, because I'm Indian, a nun. I don't think that's happening anymore. And of course, when I had my first crush, I desperately wanted to be his girlfriend. In fact, I felt very called to it. Thank God for unanswered prayers and unfulfilled dreams, right? The search for our true calling can get so confusing and overwhelming, figuring out whether it's this or that. And the older we get, we can't help but wonder if we've missed it altogether. You've probably seen some version of that Venn diagram showing you how to find your calling in life. And here's my favorite one by far, just for its honesty. The scariest Venn diagram ever. According to this diagram, the elusive place of calling only happens when we manage to find that intersection between what we could do with our talents and abilities, what we should do to meet our needs and responsibilities, and what we would do given a choice with our passions and desires. And if we fail, we end up in a place of hollowness, delusion, or routine. Talk about pressure! Now, it's true that God does have a specific calling for each one of us because He is an intentional God. We always say God has a plan for you. In fact, God is the only person who perfectly knows what exactly lies in the intersection of your Venn diagram. When He made you, He knew you and He knew what He made you for. And the good news is that regardless of our specific callings, there is above it an indisputable, general, universal call to all His children. And that is the call to holiness. In fact, God's design is such that it is often only when you embrace His general call to holiness that you naturally discover His specific call for you. So if you are struggling to figure out your calling, Perhaps God is leading you first to respond to His call to holiness. God wants you and me to be holy. How do we know? Well, He says so, many times and in no uncertain terms. 
First Peter 1 verse 16 says, Be holy, for I am holy. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. And 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So the next time someone asks you, what do you think your calling is? You can confidently say, well, I'm called to be holy. But maybe the thought of being holy is a little cringy to you. Being holy is often associated with coming across as holier than thou, and nobody likes that. Or maybe it even scares you a little, and perhaps you feel like, nah, I could never be holy. Well, I want to encourage us today that God is in the business of making us holy. God invites us into a relationship with Him, regardless of whatever state we are in. And we can certainly come as we are, but we cannot stay as we are. Because when God comes and dwells within us by His Holy Spirit, He basically starts cleaning house. Day by day, we become more and more like Him. And one day you realize you're no longer the person you used to be. And that's a good thing. I believe if we knew how wonderful and life-changing this call to holiness is, we would run eagerly towards it. C.S. Lewis once said, How little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. We're going to look today at the story of a man who encountered God and embraced his call to holiness and whose life was never the same again. His name was Moses. And from the passage we're about to read, we will see three things about the call to holiness. First, holiness sets you apart. Second, holiness transforms you. And finally, holiness prepares you for your assignment. In short, Holiness is for God, holiness is for you, and holiness is for others. So let's read from Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up 
out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Holiness sets you apart for God. The Hebrew word for holy is kodesh, which means to be set apart for a purpose. It means to be distinct or different. Holiness is that aspect of God that is different, His otherness. He is creator and we are creature. And so the call to holiness is the call to reflect that separateness of God. To be holy or set apart is not just being different for the sake of standing out. And it's definitely not being strange or weird. That's not what holiness is about. But it does mean that there should be a difference between us as followers of Jesus and the rest of the world. It means we live different, we love different, we work different, we speak different, we spend our Sundays different, and we even get angry different. When people look at us, they may not know exactly what it is, but they know that there's something different about this person that sets them apart from the crowd. You are set apart for a person and a purpose. God sets you apart for Himself and for His plans. Leviticus 20 verse 26 says, You shall be holy to me. I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. In the passage we just read, we see how God set Moses apart long before he ever encountered God in the burning bush. A little backstory of Moses, flashback Prince of Egypt if you've seen the movie. Moses was born to parents who were both Levites, a tribe that itself was set apart for the service of the Lord. He was born in Egypt at a time when the Hebrew people had become enslaved and oppressed in Egypt. Because the king of Egypt, or Pharaoh at that time, was so threatened by the growing number of Hebrews or Israelites that filled the land of Egypt. But the more that Pharaoh oppressed the Hebrews, the more God multiplied them. So finally, Pharaoh resorted to genocide. He told two of the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua, that whenever a Hebrew boy is born, they must kill him. But the midwives did not follow Pharaoh's rule because they feared God. So they made the excuse that this Hebrew woman, they are not like the Egyptian woman or Pharaoh. They sneeze and the baby comes out. No, I'm kidding. That's not what they said. But basically, they explained that the Hebrew women were so vigorous in childbirth, they would deliver so quickly, the midwives didn't even have time to get to them. So in spite of this cruel decree by Pharaoh, God increased the Israelites even further. So Pharaoh got really angry and he told all the people in Egypt, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile. And so this was the scene that Moses was born into. But God had a plan. He always has a plan. God set Moses apart. 
Instead of being thrown into the Nile, his mother hid him for three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she put him in a basket and placed him among the reeds along the Nile River bank. And who should see this basket but Pharaoh's daughter? Long story short, Moses' sister, who was secretly watching what would happen to Moses, sees that Pharaoh's daughter finds him, and she cleverly offers to find a Hebrew woman to nurse Moses. So Moses' own mother is able to continue nursing him, and later he is raised by Pharaoh's own daughter as a prince in Pharaoh's own palace. How elaborate is God's plan? And side note, but did you notice how many women were involved in this covert rescue mission? From the midwives to Moses' mother, his sister, Pharaoh's daughter, her female slave. I just think that's so cool. But anyway, that's a whole other message. But here's what we can see from how Moses was set apart from the day he was born. You know, we often think that God only begins to move in our lives the day we meet Him and the day we decide to follow Him. But the truth is, God has already set you apart when He made you. He had plans for you and ordained all the days ahead of you from the time He formed you in your mother's womb. The fact that you are here today is because God set you apart for such a day and time as this. And perhaps you may never know the elaborate plans He made for you, how many evil schemes he overturned just to get you to this place. By the time Moses encounters God in the burning bush, God had already been long and hard at work, setting him apart for himself and for his plans. Exodus 3 says, Moses was tending to his father-in-law's sheep on the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. All through scripture, mountains are places of meeting with God. Sometimes, God will isolate you to set you apart from the crowd so that you can have a special encounter with Him. Now, we don't know what led Moses to that mountain, but it was there that he saw a strange sight, a bush on fire. There's nothing unusual about a bush on fire, especially in the wilderness, but Moses gazed at this scene long enough to notice it was burning, but it was not consumed. And he wondered why. Have you ever seen a strange sight? Something that's different, unlike what you've seen before, that makes you ask the question, why? I recently came across a very strange sight. Not quite a burning bush, but it definitely caught my attention. And it drew me to take a closer look. That's right. I'm not sure what's going on here, but so many questions. Why does this papaya tree have dead leaves but loads of green fruits? Well, perhaps it's a picture many of us can resonate with in the pursuit of our callings. You might feel really dry and worn out and unfruitful, but perhaps in spite of how you feel, God has been working in you through it all and bearing lots of good fruits through you. But maybe you are in here today in the house of God and you're not really sure how you ended up here. But something or someone somehow drew you here, just like how Moses was drawn to the mountain of God. And perhaps you also have seen some strange sights here in the mountain of God. Maybe it's the worship or the kindness and the joy of the people or a dancing bear on stage or the message you've been hearing from the preacher here every week. 
and you find yourself drawing nearer and lingering a little longer, asking the question, why? I don't know what brought you here, but I know that God's holiness sets him apart from everything else. God is unlike anything or anyone you have ever encountered, and that's what makes him irresistible. And maybe you've been hard at work pursuing X, Y, and Z, and after achieving them, you begin to wonder, why is it that this doesn't satisfy you? The longing in your heart is like the burning bush that is never consumed. What is it that you long for? Is it for peace that surpasses all understanding or for love that is utterly unconditional or a centeredness that keeps you steady or for a purpose that keeps you going? I believe that it's because God has designed you to be set apart for Him and His plans. And I know that no one who encounters the living God ever leaves the same because the holiness of God transforms us. And that's the second thing we see from this passage. Moses found himself staring at a bush on fire that was not consumed. What was Moses looking at? Fire is a symbol of the holiness of God. Wood often represents humanity and the cross of Christ. And Moses saw that the wood was not consumed by the fire. See, Moses wasn't just witnessing a strange wildfire. He was encountering a foreshadow of Christ, the only perfect sacrifice that is not consumed by the holiness of God. For though he was slain on the cross, God raised him up again. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses would later write that our God is a consuming fire. And I believe he wasn't just speaking figuratively. He was speaking from experience, from his very own personal encounter with the Lord in the burning bush. The holiness of God is like a fire that draws you in. It is all-consuming. It will not leave anything unholy or impure in its sight. It's like the sun. The warmth of it is nice from a safe distance. But come too close to it and it will wipe you out. It is a fearsome thing to come into the presence of the Holy God. That's why Moses hid his face. But that is also how God transforms us. As Eugene Peterson says, Holiness refers to a life burning with intense purity that transforms everything it touches into itself. But before God's holiness can transform us, we must first respond to Him. Exodus 3 verse 4 says that when God saw that Moses turned to look at the bush, he called out to him. God waited until he had Moses' attention before he spoke to him. You see, we can have access to God, but the more important question is, does he have our attention? God only speaks when he knows he has your ears. You may have noticed that here at HTBB, we always pray, Come Holy Spirit. It's not because the Holy Spirit is somewhere else and needs to be invited to join us every week. No, in fact, He is not far at all. If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells right within you. But when we pray, Come Holy Spirit, we're saying, God, you have our attention. Speak to us. We want to listen to you. We want to be so aware of you. So God calls to Moses and he says to him, don't come any closer. 
Now, you're probably wondering, why does God draw Moses in with this strange sight only to tell him, don't come any closer? Well, the simple answer is, God wants to have a relationship with him, but he also wants to protect him from his own consuming fire. You see, God will never compromise who He is in order to have a relationship with us. He was holy then, He is holy now, and He will be holy forever. The holiness of God will never change, but it will certainly change us. God makes a way for us to draw near to Him, and that way is the cross of Christ. The holiness of God is the reason why the cross was necessary. God's holiness is that part of Him that ensures justice will be done. Wickedness and evil will not go unpunished because God is holy. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I don't know about you, but I have seen a fair amount of injustices around me to find so much comfort and hope in the fact that Jesus will come back one day as the righteous judge and set all things right. The theologian Miroslav Wolf wrote that if God were not angry at injustice and deception and did not make a final end of violence, that God would not be worthy of our worship. But that also means that our own wickedness and sin needs to be dealt with. We all have our sins to address whether it's pride, lust, greed, unforgiveness, idolatry, addiction, and so on. So how then do we draw near to God? God says to Moses, take off your sandals. It means to put off your old ways, shake off the dirt of your sins. Ephesians 4 verse 22 to 24 describes it as to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what repentance is. It simply means to change. And the good news is change is possible. You're allowed to change and you can change. You don't have to stay the same. Sometimes we get so stuck in our ways and we say, this is just how I am. I can't change. But that's not what God says about you. The most liberating thing we can do for ourselves is to acknowledge our sin, the error of our ways, and ask God for help. You see, God never intended for us to remain at a distance from Him. His entire redemption plan was so that there would be no separation between us and Him. He wants a close, intimate friendship with us. Holiness makes you God's friend. Throughout history, God has been moving closer and closer to His people. In the Old Testament, we see God's presence moving from the mountain to the tabernacle or the tent where His presence moved with His people. And then later we see God dwelling in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And eventually we see in the New Testament that God makes His dwelling place within those who believe in Him by His Holy Spirit. But sometimes the closer He gets to us, the more we take His presence for granted. The Holy Spirit's job within us is to make us holy. 
to instruct us and convict us in the way of holiness. And this process is painful at times. It will involve dying to ourselves. It will involve the discipline of God, which is not pleasant at the time, but later on it produces within us a harvest of righteousness and peace. What that means is our suffering, our trials, testing in this life is not in vain. The promise is however intense the heat gets, it will not consume us, but it will transform us as pure gold. Our desires, our motives, our actions, they all start looking different. Moses became a different person. After his first encounter with God in the burning bush, Moses constantly went up and down the mountain. He was always in God's presence, and he no longer hid his face in fear. Instead, he boldly prayed, Show me your glory, Lord. And God did. God himself said that Moses speaks face to face with him. Moses spent so much time in the holy presence of God to the point that his face began to glow so brightly that he needed to wear a veil, a veil because the radiance of his face was too much for the people to bear. You know, I always wonder why no one has ever come up with a facial called the Moses glow. When God's holiness transforms you, you will glow different. And finally, holiness prepares you for your assignment. I believe a part of Moses always knew that he was set apart to save his people. In Exodus 2 verse 11, it says that one day when Moses was grown up, he was compelled to go out and visit his own people who were being oppressed. And what happens next is Moses ends up committing murder by intervening and killing the Egyptian slave driver. The next day, he tries to intervene again and he's, when he sees two Hebrew slaves fighting. But to his shock, they call him out and say, Who made you leader over us? See, Moses was trying to carry out an assignment that God placed upon his life in his own strength, in his own authority and wisdom. When he realizes that his crime had been witnessed, Moses has to flee from Egypt so he runs as far as Median and he settles there. And when his first son is born, he names him Gershom, which means I have now become a foreigner in a foreign land. But the reality is Moses had always been a foreigner in a foreign land. And God was beginning to reveal to Moses the purpose for which God had set him apart to lead the people out of Egypt. As believers, we too are foreigners in a foreign land. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable here because God has set us apart for our true and eternal homes. Is there a calling in your life that you have been trying to fulfill in your own strength, in your own time, and according to your own plans? Moses got his calling right. He understood the assignment. He was called to deliver his people from the oppressor. But God had an entirely different plan for how Moses was to accomplish his will. And that plan involved a preparation of holiness. Moses was 40 years old when he ran away from Egypt and he spent another 40 years in the wilderness. He was 80 years old when he finally returned to Egypt and stood before Pharaoh, asking him to let his people go. 
D.L. Moody said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. What was God doing with Moses all that 40 years in the wilderness? Moses was being prepared for his calling, from a palace full of abundance and authority into the bare wilderness as a fugitive. For 40 years, Moses was shepherding sheep. Little did he know that one day he would shepherd his own people through another 40 years in the wilderness. But God knew, and God knew what he was preparing Moses for. This is why we have to trust the process. God always has a process, even if it doesn't make sense to us. The call to holiness prepares you, it humbles you, builds your character and resilience so that you are ready and equipped for the very thing that God has called you to. Holiness transforms you, but more importantly, it transforms the call. Holiness shows you that ultimately your calling is not about you, but about God, about His plans and His glory in fulfilling it. In Exodus 3 verse 9, God tells Moses, The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen their oppression. So now go, I am sending you. It was God's plan to save His people. It was God's covenant that He was keeping to His people. So it was God who sent Moses out at the right time after preparing him. This is why when Moses starts making excuses to God, God doesn't entertain his insecurities. God doesn't say, Oh Moses, you are brave. You can do this. Moses, you've got this. All he says to Moses is, I will be with you. God was reminding Moses that the pressure is not on you to accomplish this. This is my plan and purpose and I, the Lord, will do it. You know, at the end of his life, after successfully leading, leading the people out of Egypt and then spending another 40 years leading this rebellious, complaining people through the wilderness, Moses doesn't even make it into the promised land. At the very edge of the promised land, Moses, in his anger toward the people, struck the rock twice when God only told him to speak to the rock. And so God said to Moses, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy before the people, you will not lead the people into the promised land. And this has always been a mystery and almost an injustice to me. But the more I dwell on Moses' life and the more I begin to see that the promised land was never really the call for Moses. Moses did not mess up God's call for his life by making an impulsive mistake at the end of his journey. God in his sovereignty had already factored in Moses' flaws and errors when he called Moses to this assignment. God already knew how Moses would react in that moment in time and God used all of it to point to a bigger story of his redemption plan. You see, Moses represented the law. And the law on its own is not sufficient to take you into the promised land. The man who would lead the people into the promised land was a man named Joshua. Joshua has the same Hebrew name as Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill what the law could not. The only way we can enter into the life that God has for us is through Jesus. Moses may not have made it into the promised land, but he certainly fulfilled God's call over his life. 
to be holy and to lead the people out of Egypt so that they could be set apart and made holy for God. God's friendship with Moses was the greatest call he ever had. At the end of his life, God leads Moses up again to a mountain, and Moses was 120 years old by this time. Do you know what God does with his friends? He tells them his secrets. Up on this mountain, God shows his friend Moses the entire promised land that God would give his descendants, the sum of his life's work. And then in the most tenderest of friendships, Moses dies in the presence of the Lord and God buries him. And God says of Moses, Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. Moses fulfilled his call. There is no greater calling than the call to holiness, to intimacy with God the call to be God's friend. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be God's friend more than I want to achieve any other calling in my life. The good news is God wants to be your friend. That's why He went to the cross and died for you so that He could have a relationship with you, a loving, growing, continuing, intimate friendship with you. So how will you respond to God's call to you today? to be holy and set apart for Him, to be transformed and to carry out His plans and purposes for your life. Let's pray. If you have never had a chance to respond to God's invitation to have a relationship with Him, and if you would like to do so, let's just say this prayer together. Lord, I thank You that You've gone to the cross to die for me and to make a way for me to draw near to You. Come and dwell in my life by your Holy Spirit and transform me for your plans and purposes. And Lord, I'm sorry for the sins of my past. I take off my sandals and I, I come to you, O Father, and receive your righteousness and your holiness upon me. Amen. And for those who may be struggling with um, figuring out what your calling is, or you've been struggling to, to try and achieve your calling with your own strength, your own wisdom, um, let me just pray for you to have peace and surrender and to trust God's process in your life. Lord, we thank you that you have a specific call for each and every person that you created. Lord, we thank you that you've revealed those things to different people, oh Father, in, in, this, in this place today, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, O oh Father, to surrender the how, the why, the when, the timing of everything, O oh Father, to surrender it into your hands. Help us to know, O oh Father, that our calling is not about us, but about you and your plans, O oh Father. Give us wisdom, give us discernment, and give us peace, O oh Father, as we let go of things we have no control over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <music>